Welcome to the Burn Hickory Podcast, where you can listen to our sermons each week. Our mission is to reach everyone around us with the hope of Christ. And our goal is that you'll find a place where you can learn, grow, live, and thrive in a faith family. Now let's get ready to dig into Scripture and see what God has for us today. Good morning, church. All right, um, I'm going to teach you something. So in Africa, when, uh, when you come in, uh, you, you always say praise the Lord. You say good morning, then you say praise the Lord. And when you say praise the Lord, people respond, okay? You respond by saying amen, all right? Shall we try? Let's go, Let's go ahead and try. Praise the Lord. Amen. That was good, but we can do better. Praise the Lord. Amen. Awesome, man. That's, that's really good. Well, my name is uh, Peter, Peter Bungu. It is uh, a great pleasure to, to be here today uh, to break the bread of life with you. I am a married man. I've been married to my beautiful wife, Miss Julie, for 18 years, and uh, the honeymoon has not ended. Um, she's, she's a beautiful woman. I can't wait for tomorrow. She gets more beautiful by each day. Uh, we are blessed by, um, we are blessed, tremendously blessed uh, to have three amazing children, um, in, in fact, I am careful to talk about our kids because usually when I'm done, most people don't feel really good about their own kids. <laughs> However, I'll just tell you just a little bit about them. Uh, and um, our eldest is called Barnabas James Omondi Abungu, and all those names are in his passport. <laughs> yes. And uh, he's 17, he's turning 17 this month, and his birthday is on the 22nd of November. Our second born is called Joy Teila Imani Omondi Abongu, and she celebrated her birthday on the 22nd of October. Our youngest is called Abigail Wema Amani Omondi Abongu, and our birthday is on the 22nd of October. It's called good planning. <laughs> yeah, literally, we missed it by one month, and we would have had to celebrate all their three birthdays with one big cake. <laughs> yeah, it's called good budgeting as well. Uh, it's, it's, such a, it's such a blessing to be here and to, uh, and to break uh, the bread of, of, uh, of life with you this morning. I, I just wanted to, uh, to bring my appreciation uh, to, to the entire church because of the support that we've heard uh, from this church. Uh, on, the, on the 5th of May, this past May, we cut the ribbon on the new building, the, the ministry center, and amazing things have happened uh, since then. Uh, the number of young people that have been uh, ministered to in that center, uh, the number of groups and even community and organizations that are in that community that have used our facility, groups of missions. We've already hosted five mission group, uh, teams in that building. And uh, we're looking forward to hosting um, a group from here in the month of February, uh, starting from the 16th to the 24th of Feb. Uh, we would love for you to be part of that VBS amazing team. Our hall can hold up to 350 people, kids. And um, in, in Africa, we don't have this thing called personal space. Every space is taken. Uh, 
and uh, and and so um, and so we can we can fit a lot more than 350 if we need to fit. However, we'll keep it at 350 uh, because of the seats limitation that we have in that hall. And um, we're looking at having many children from various schools and homes within the slums be involved in in just in just being ministered to through an entire week of VBS. And we would love as many of you to sign up and be hands on deck and love on those children and minister to them. Uh, the facility is amazing. It's right on the peripheries of the slums. So it allows everybody uh, to walk uh, and, and to come and, and experience um, ministry uh, with us. And uh, we can't wait for you to be with us. At the end of this service, uh, myself, Brian, and a couple of other guys will be at the mission outpost. Come and talk to us, ask questions, and uh, sign up because we want as many of you to come and serve with us uh, in Kenya. All right? Now, um, if you have your Bible with you, uh, either on hard copy or soft, turn with me in the book of Romans uh, chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and we'll just read a couple of verses there, verse 1 and 2, all right? Are you there? If you're there, say, say, uh, say yes. yes. If you're not there, say, oh my. There's quite a few people are not there yet. Um, let's, let's read together. So from verse 1 and 2 says this, uh, and of, of late I am becoming wiser. So I have to put on these things. Um, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your body as your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will. Of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, because your name is great and your heart is kind. We thank you, Lord, uh, because you're a God who is who is bigger, is big enough for all of us to worship. So when we stand before you throne this day and before your presence, we ask that Lord may you use us as vessel, vessels, Lord, uh, for your work. That may your word come forth with power. And authority to accomplish its intended purpose in our lives today. For your glory and in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. So today uh, we're, going to, we're going to contrast a couple of individuals in, in scripture. Um, in Luke, I'm going to give you some uh, assignments. I love to give assignments to my children. Uh, so um, you are the children of God, of course. Uh, so I'll give you a couple of assignments. Because um, uh, we don't have enough time for me to read through Luke 18 from verse um, 18 to 30. And John chapter 4, verse uh, 4 to 42. But I will, I will uh, paraphrase because I want us to com- compare and contrast uh, two individuals. The rich young ruler and the woman at the well. Uh, scripture says in, uh, in, in Luke uh, 18... Uh, verse 18, that Jesus encountered a young man. This young man went to Jesus and he asked Jesus a very simple question. He said, how can I enter the kingdom of God? And then, um, and then Jesus told him, uh, you go and observe the Ten Commandments. And he looked at Jesus and he told Jesus that I have observed the commandments from when I was a young child. From, from my youth. And that is a phrase that not many of us can, 
can make. That's not a statement that many of us can make and say we've never broken. We've observed the Ten Commandments from our youth to, to, to that point. And, and remember, this young, this young ruler, the rich young ruler, had, had three things going for, for him. He was rich, he was wealthy, he was young, he had youth, and he was a ruler, so he had some influence or some power. And so he had everything going on. In everything that everybody else looks for. Most, yeah, those are the three things most people look for. You're looking for wealth, you're looking for some elements of influence and power, and then you're looking to have a good health. And so he goes to Jesus and he asks Jesus this question. And Jesus looks at him. In, in fact, in Mark 10, uh, 21, it says this. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Why do you think Jesus looked at him and loved him? Jesus looked at him and loved him because he knew there was some truth in what he was saying. There was truth in what he was saying. Then Jesus gives him a command. He, he tells him, go sell everything. Wow. should have said, go sell 10%. Or maybe 30%. A lot more reasonable. But he said, go sell everything. Give it to the poor. Not in an invest, investment company. Give it to the poor. Then come and follow me. And scripture says that the countenance of that rich young ruler fell. And he went away sad because he had great amount of wealth. Contrast that with the woman of the well in John chapter 4. From verse, verse 4 to verse 42, Jesus has, has sent his disciples away to go and buy food. And then he meets this woman at Jacob's well. This woman has come to draw water at 12 midday. Now, if you know anything about the Middle East, is that you don't want to draw water at 12 midday. Because the sun is scorching hot. This woman is there alone. No one else is there. She's hanging out, drawing water. Now, drawing water, I think, is such a foreign concept for you because in most of the homes I've been in the U.S., there are usually two taps. There's a hot and cold, and they both have water. <laughs> so Jesus looks at this woman, and he starts a conversation with this woman, and he says, Give me some water. That woman is startled and, and a little bit confused because Jesus being a Jew, it was, it was almost impossible for a Jew to ask for water, let alone a woman, but a Samaritan. So this was not just a Samaritan, but a woman. So he looks at this woman and says, give me some water. And the woman is shocked. To the call. Looks at Jesus and say, how comes you being a Jew is asking of me to give you water? This is strange. The conversation continues. And then Jesus gets to a point and says, if you knew the person asking, you would ask of him of water. The woman says, ah, you have nothing to do with. How are you going to get this water? 
They say, living water. I'm going to, that he who drinks this water will thirst again. But he who drinks the water that I give him will never thirst again. The woman sees a complete solution. Because remember, the fact that she came to do water at 12 midday was that she was escaping something. She was probably escaping. This is, this is not recorded in scripture. But there's a very high chance that she was escaping every woman she had snatched her husband. Because why would you go to draw water at 12 midday when everybody else went very early in the morning or very late in the evening in the cool of the day? So Jesus makes a statement and this woman sees a, a physical permanent solution. Says, wow, give me that water so that I may not come here and draw again. Then Jesus looks at her and says, go call your husband. Go call your husband. The woman looks at Jesus and responds with a phenomenal answer. I have no husband. Now, at this point, Jesus could have just judged the woman. Judged, because Jesus knew everything. At this point, Jesus would have just wrecked her life by judging her. But no, Jesus didn't. Instead, Jesus looked at the woman and said, You have truly spoken, because even the husband you do have now is not yours. Someone else. Ha! Ha! Then when the woman realizes that Christ has shined the light in, in, in her life, she goes religious, completely religious on Jesus. And says, I perceive that you are a prophet. I perceive that you are a prophet. Because you've told me something that nobody, there's no way you would have known that if you're not a prophet. Then she continues, she says, huh? You Jew worship the Lord in the temple, but we Samaritans worship on the mountains. And then Jesus looked at this woman and says, listen, woman, the time has come where those who worship the Lord will neither worship him in the temple nor on the mountain. Those must worship the Lord, must worship him in spirit and in truth. For he is spirit and is looking for such to worship him. Then this woman runs back into the city that she had avoided on all the people and begins to tell them what Jesus has done in her life. And the whole city stand around and, and they come to hear. And the, the city is saved. She becomes the first evangelist to her community. A woman who was invading every possible contact with people. That is a transformed life. The rich young ruler, though, is a sad ending to a story. Because most people who, in scripture who encountered Jesus, their lives were completely transformed. This young rich ruler meets Jesus and instead of being transformed is literally conformed because he says some things that were true he says since my youth I've observed the ten commandments and that's a that's a 
heavy statement if you consider. That's a heavy statement because <laughs> not many of us can say since my youth I have observed Ten Commandments to the letter. And the reason why we know that was true is because Jesus looked at him in Mark 10, 21 and loved him. Yet, yet, when Jesus gave him a command, he did not observe that command. Instead, he walked away sad. So, let's make some important observations today. Transformation belongs to believers. Transformation belongs to believers. The unbeliever cannot, can't break the world's control over them without Christ, but believers are promised, and this is the promise. The spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. God's indwelling spirit enables you to resist the world's pressure to conform you to its ways. It's, there, there is a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure. Um, in fact, in, in our home, it's been, it's been a challenge because we have teenagers now. Yeah, we have teenagers. And they're not very great at making decisions. <laughs> at least we are discovering that. They make decisions, yeah, they do. <laughs> not, not great decisions, unfortunately. Yeah. So, so we've had these long discussions with my kids about phones. We've, we've, had, we've had to, like, at one point, we only had a burner phone. You know what those, like, the, the phones you see people use in the movies when they don't want to be tracked? tracked they, you can only text and call. Um, because, because we realized that we needed to have some form of boundaries. Just, just some form of just being able to, like, put things in check. Because, because there is so much pressure from the world, so much pressure from the world for them to conform. Number two, God's appeal is urgent. I urge you. When, when, when it says, I urge you, it's, it's, it's I beseech. Words like, words like I beg and plead, beseech are used in some translations because the appeal isn't secondary or optional. In fact, it is vital and a divine imperative. Now, English is, uh, is my third language. I, I speak three languages. <laughs> I speak Lua, I speak Swahili, and then I speak English. English is the third language. Now, the word imperative is a big word for me, at least. Um, and, and, and just trying to understand that word. An imperative means there is no any other, any other. It, this is absolutely important that you keep to the track of this. And it says it's a, it's, it's a divine imperative for us. God is seeking for surrendered vessels that are, are ready to be transformed for his use. Are you willing to say, yes, Lord, use me? I, I, do, remember, I do remember when I had the privilege of, of uh, uh, great privilege, by the way, of going to school in England. Uh, I've, lost both, I've lost both of my parents in my teenage years, and someone sponsored me through school. and gave me a chance to go and study theology, 
and, uh, and youth work uh, in the UK uh, from 1999 to 2002. And, um, and, and at the end of my time in the UK, uh, it, it was, uh, it, the reality hit me that I could live in the UK and become a youth pastor and make decent income and never have to go back to Africa. But there was a call of God upon my life um, and, uh, and a vision that compelled me to pack my bags and leave and went back to Kenya. But before going back to Kenya, I had a chance to be invited to a church in a place called Truro. Truro is the very south of the UK, of, of England, if you've been to, uh, to the UK. Uh, in fact, if you use the train, it's the second last stop because before you get to a place called Penzance, that is literally beyond Penzance is the sea. And so uh, I, get, I get invited to this church, and uh, at the end of the, of the service, the pastor invites me uh, to stand with him at the door to greet the people as they come out. And, uh, and uh, as the people came out, there was this little, maybe six-year-old boy who, who came and stood right in front of me, looked up to me with such great concern on his face, and asked me, what happened to you? He had never seen someone, someone blessed with so much color like I am. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I leaned forward. I leaned forward and smiled. And, and I looked at him and said, I stood in the sun for too long. Don't ever do that. <laughs> I don't think that boy ever stood in the sun. <laughs> if there's one thing I am sure he never did, he never stood in the sun. So I packed my bags and left the UK and, and went back home. And I can assure you, it was not easy. It was a major sacrifice on my part because I left the British pound. But the, the pound is stronger than the dollar, I'm sorry to say. Oh, yeah. And I was, I was making some money. And I had to leave all that stuff and go live totally by faith. So it required, it required, it required sacrifice. Transformation requires personal sacrifice. It is not easy, natural, or automatic. It calls for becoming a living sacrifice. Now, the problem with living sacrifice, living sacrifices, is that is their tendency to keep escaping the altar, having to be led back repeatedly to be sacrificed again and again and again. I, I do remember several times when uh, I would go home and tell my wife I quit. I did quit many times. Then she would, uh, it's good to have a good grounded woman who loves the Lord. Because she would look at me and say, uh, who called you? And then I'd say, God called me. Uh, has he called you somewhere else? And i say, no, not, not any of I've heard of, not yet said, now, if he has not called you somewhere else, we are staying here. We are staying obedient to the call until he clearly calls you somewhere. So we stayed 21 years. Um, so, so, it's, so the problem with, with us sometimes is that we, we are, when, when we are experiencing the, the challenges, the, the brokenness, all this stuff, we, we, we tend to, to want to walk away from all of it. But God is calling us to stay because we are a living sacrifice. Galatians 5, 17 says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. 
And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Have you ever decided to fast? Then the day you decide to fast is the day your friend calls you for a gourmet meal. That's the day they decide that they're going to take you to a fine dining restaurant. Or have you ever decided that, you know what, I'm going to spend time in the Word and open your Bible. The phone has not rung. It's maybe 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. The phone has not rung. And the moment you sit down with your Bible, the world begins to fall apart. Everyone is calling. Everybody needs you. That is the time. And, and the enemy, the enemy is, 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 the enemy is very cunning. Very, very destructive. Very, very destructive. So, your job isn't to obliterate the flesh, but to crucify it. Each time it wants to take over, refusing to let it curtail or weaken your commitment to spiritual growth. Everything the enemy will throw at you to try and stop you to live in the perfect will of God and live in the permissive will of God. Many, many times the enemy threw things at us, man. Many times. Many, many times. But I'm grateful for a praying wife. I am grateful for the vision that the Lord gave us. And 21 years later, we do have documented over 88,000 lives that are being touched in one or another and impacted through our ministry. It was not easy, but it's absolutely worth it. The Lord is calling us not just to conform, but to be transformed. And it is, it is going to require you to get out of, out of your comfort zone. He never promised that it would be easy, but he promised that he would be with us every step of the way. A two-sided issue. Offering your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That involves a resolute decision of mind and will. Because bodies don't surrender themselves. The reason why I know that there is resurrection is because if you kill the flesh today, it's going to rise up tomorrow morning. Oh, yeah. It will rise up. So we have to kill the flesh every day. We have to surrender. Uh, we, have to, we, we have to surrender it to, 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 as a living sacrifice every day. Until you deliberately choose to offer your body to God, your flesh will act unrestricted. Man, we got to surrender. Just one of the things that happened, uh, there was a season where things were really hard for us. That's 2006, 2007. We had started having children. Um, We needed more money. We were living by faith. And I got into consultancy. I got into consultancy, um, and I started making some money. And the, the enemy would have easily used that to completely take me off course. Easy. Because the need to, meet, to, 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 to take care of my family became so, so 
um, became such a serious thing for me that, that it was now fighting with the vision and the call of God upon my life. And I am grateful for the right people that God has brought alongside of me. I am grateful for my wife who constantly reminded me that, listen, this is good, but this is not what God has called you to do. When you surrender, Romans 6, uh, 19, when you surrender your lower impulses, you reap sin. When you surrender to God, you reap his blessings. What does it mean to give yourself fully to God? It's an act of worship. Offer your bodies. This is your true, proper worship. Worship isn't just attending a church service, singing praises and saying prayers. Even though that is absolutely part of it. It's not the whole of it. Man, it is in your mind constantly. Because it's, this is the battlefield right here. You're constantly making decisions. That, that, does this honor God? Does this bring glory to God? That this, you know, is this building the kingdom or it's destroying the kingdom? It's a constant battle. And it's going on in here. Isaiah 29, 13 says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. The rich young ruler, that is exactly what he did. He, he did honor God with his lips, but his heart was far away from him. It's a response to God's generosity. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies. God's mercy, offer your bodies. So your repentance is a response of his love. Your giving is a response of his blessing. And your obedience is a response of his promises. God's grace is never a deal. It is the free gift of his love to undeserving. It's never a deal. It's a free gift. Romans 5.8 says that, uh, but God demonstrated his own love to us in that while we were still sinners, when we were in our very worst state of sins. In fact, I love the verses previous that says, they says that, um, that, that rarely will one man die for a good man. In fact, it compares good and righteous. Rarely will one die for a righteous man, and it's even harder for one to die for a good man. And then he goes on to say, but God demonstrated his own love to us in that while we were still in our worst state of sin, he sent Jesus to die for us. He did not wait for us to be good people or righteous people. In our very state of sin, he sent Christ to die for us. Amen. That is humbling. That its love is so vast that there is nothing that we can do for, for him to love us less or more. His love is constant. That if we were the only persons living on this earth, it would still send Jesus to die for us. That is how much he loves us. We have the option to be conformed or transformed. The rich young ruler 
conformed and walked away sad. I pray that we respond like the woman of the well who was transformed and transcended our own fear and went back and told an entire city what Jesus had done and let all of them re- all of them were reconciled to Christ. Deciding I will not conform to the world leads to a transformed life. That decision is is hard, but it's totally worth it. It will separate you sometimes from people you love because you're choosing not to conform but to be transformed. I pray that we will respond to what the Lord is commanding us to do and not go the direction of the rich young ruler but go the direction of the woman at the well be transformed so that we can be used for his purposes for our lives father we thank you for what you have uh, for us this morning we thank you lord that you desire for us to be to be transformed that lord we become vessels that can be used for your glory and for your honor lord we thank you because there is no one like you and so even as we as we as we draw nigh to you lord we ask that by the help of your holy spirit may transformation continuously take place lord so that we can be vessels that are are uh, are cleared and are set apart lord for your for your kingdom purposes that we may be used to bring glory and honor to your name. We love you. We honor you, Lord. We bless your holy name. You are awesome. There's none like you. Do with us today as you intend and let your purposes be complete in us as we receive transformation through the help of your Holy Spirit. We love you, Lord. I'll be on the on the left side. Uh, if you need ministry together with uh, the other ministers, uh, uh, please and come and talk to us. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Were you inspired? Maybe you've got questions. Do you want to know more about Jesus? Then we'd love to hear from and connect with you. So take the next step with us by visiting burnthickory.com/next. Again, thanks for listening, and hey, stay tuned by subscribing, and stay up to date by downloading the Burn Hickory app.